I really believe in therapy and I've been in and out of therapy like for yeah, years. My friend Chloe just kept being like, why are you fine? Yeah. What is, mm. why are you fine? Mm-hmm. Why have you showed up in an outfit with your makeup done? And my parents were just really into Runbrig. Stop. And, phenomenal. And we're like, Gallic <laughs> would, be, would be good. Hey, I'm Katie J, and welcome to Young Scots' new This Is How I Feel podcast, where we talk to guests who've grown up or live in Scotland about their experiences and how they cope in the world we find ourselves in today. In each episode, we'll tackle a different topic with a brand new guest. And today, we're really looking forward to talking to Kirsty MacArthur, who we're going to be talking to about grief and depression. And with that, we want to let you know that this might be a tough listen for some people and we'll share resources at the end if you're struggling with this topic. Before we get started, let's introduce Kirsty. If you're a Gaelic speaker or learner, you may follow Kirsty already on social media where she discusses Gaelic language and culture alongside her content on grief and mental health. Kirsty is a Gaelic speaking artist and content creator who studied at Glasgow School of Art before working in Gaelic media as a freelance creative. Now, there's so much that we have to talk about today, but first, Kirsty, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for coming in and speaking to me in English. <laughs> I know, it's a rarity. It's genuine. I feel like I'm having to use a different bit of my brain from I'm normally using. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's so wonderful that you get to use the Gaelic language so often. But I, but I can imagine it's a bit of a stretch thinking, right, okay, how do I cover this one in, in English? A little bit, yeah. a little bit. I'm, I'm having to use my, my everyday brain instead of my on-camera brain. Your content is, brain. Yeah. Well, do you know what? We love a challenge here at Young Scots, so let's just get into it. We are, of course, asking everybody who comes on to this podcast and sits in that comfy wee seat over mm-hmm. there. How do you feel today? I feel not bad today. All right, I feel, we'll take it. I feel all right. I feel tired. I feel a wee bit cold. It's freezing out there. Um, but yeah, no, I feel I feel pretty good. A solid start. And for the listener, we are recording this on a very dreak Monday in Glasgow. So not too bad. We'll take it. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Now, it would be so good to start off by getting a real sense of how you got to where you are today. We've mentioned already that uh, it's all about content creation and and kind of lending a space to that that Gaelic audience of young Mm -hmm. people that follow you. How did you get going? Yeah, so um, I... Learned Gaelic through Gaelic medium education. So in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was a lot of kind of Gaelic nurseries and schools opening in the mainland. And sort of, I'm from the West Coast, I'm from Greenock originally. Um, and it was a little bit of a an experiment, I think, Gaelic medium, because it was kind of like, are people going to go for it? It'd obviously been running for longer, like in Highlands and Islands mm-hmm. and other parts of the country. But um yeah, and my parents were just really into Runbrig. Stop. And That's phenomenal. And we're like, Gaelic would be would be good. Um, my dad's granny had Gaelic, so but she never passed it down to her kids or anything. So it had been in the family, but then it was lost. So um, they kind of took the gamble. I've got two older brothers, but they are 10 and 8 years older than me. So okay. by the time Gaelic came to Greenock, they had already been through school. Um so yeah, I just went through Gaelic medium school and then, yeah, as you said, went to art school afterwards. 
and then hadn't really used my Gaelic that much after school, mm -hmm. um, which I think is quite a common experience that it's it's this thing that you do in school and it's like it's like trying to pull teeth, trying to get teenagers to want to do anything. So like you're kind of like, I just don't, I don't want to do this. Why am I doing this after school? Like I'm going to go and, you know, for me, I was like, I'm going to go and be an artist. I oh, went naturally. to art school. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, how many, I, I did higher French, for example. Oh, exactly. How many people yeah. do that and then use it? on holiday literally yeah. yeah so it's it's fully the same thing um so yeah I kind of fell out of using my Gaelic weirdly until the pandemic and then I was on furlough from a waitressing job that I hated and <laughs> realized that I did not want to go back to waitressing because I was discovering what eating three full meals a day and sleeping enough was like and not having a horribly unhealthy lifestyle mm. was like and um yeah, it sort of, I got into the habit of saying, yeah, sure, I can figure out how to do that to a lot of opportunities that came up um, while I was like Googling like how to. <laughs> like, <laughs> this seems to be what happened uh, in that time when we were all yeah. sort of stuck thinking, right, this is a moment that I would never have had to reassess and reevaluate the direction I want to go in. Exactly, exactly. It was um, someone who's now a really good friend of mine who works in Gaelic media sent me a DM out of the blue just saying like, I'm vaguely aware of who you are just because I had like an art Instagram account, but... I was only posting like my art school stuff on uh -huh. it and then every now and then it would be like there would be a wee Gaelic word in a post or something like that because you're you're trying to have your USP art school. You're trying to be... We love a niche. So <laughs> so every now and then I would be like, this painting is called... And then it would be like a random Gaelic word. So I was like vaguely... People kind of vaguely knew who I was, but like it uh -huh. wasn't a big account or anything. And then, yeah, he asked if I wanted to make some films for something. And I was like, sure, whatever, having no idea how to do it so did it on the fly uh, it turned out quite good it was decent they went well and then that got some more attention and then it kind of spiraled from there and yeah I've I've just spent the last like three to four years just being like sure I'll figure it out including doing this podcast wow. so yeah it's it's just been a lot of like okay I'll work it out happen? exactly if it's terrible, they won't post it. It's yeah, fine. No one has to know I was ever here. <laughs> you can go back and delete the bad stuff. We'll be okay. Yeah, we will do that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's okay. but it's remarkable how you know a change like that can kind of you know alter the entire course of your life. I mean, if if Greenock hadn't taken Gaelic seriously, because your your siblings don't have a word of Gaelic, no. then no, interesting. Uh, they can demand a cup of tea. Right. You know, uh, they can like maybe say some rude phrases because it's funny, but like, yeah, sure. it's not, it's not really in. And then the whole trajectory lives. of your, your life and your career it kind of changed because of that fundamental understanding that, that other people didn't have. Yeah. What about your classmates? Anyone else still using the Gaelic? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Um, from primary school, there's a few primary school teachers. There's a few people working in media, that kind of thing. Brilliant. And then high school, there's even more because I went to high school in Glasgow because there yeah. wasn't high school provision through Gaelic. So that was, again, another moment. Like, I was old enough to make the choice. Then my parents asked if I wanted to keep going with my Gaelic or if I wanted to just go to like a normal school mm -hmm. um, but I think I was in a bit too deep 
Like, well, the rhythm of my heart is such a good song. So good. So, so Run good. Rig really have a lot to answer like, for. Like, honestly, here. they have a lot to answer for for a lot of things. <laughs> and this is a really big one of them. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> but, I mean, truly, though, our sort of generation going through, I think it's the first time in a long time that we've seen that real resurgence of passion for the Gaelic language and the, the trad music artists and things. Like, the, the sort of tidelines effect and things like 100%. that. 100%. Are you conscious of that? Oh yeah, like so, so conscious of it and it's it feels fun to be part of that community as well just now. Like I was literally talking to my friends the other night, like my me and my boyfriend were out for a wee a wee cheeky drink of, of an evening and It's okay, he, we're over eighteen, you can fine. say it. It's You're okay. allowed to have a cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> and he uh, he got a phone call through from his friend saying, Did we want to go to a gig? At Celtic Connections he was like we've got a spare ticket and then we were like oh like we're kind of we were a bit in between doing stuff we had stuff on in the morning and then I got a message through from my friend saying does anyone have tickets for this gig and I was like wait two seconds I have someone on the line <laughs> so like it was I, I feel like I haven't communicated with anyone from like the Gaelic community mm-hmm. and then also sort of like friends and partners of other people who aren't quite in the community but they're adjacent yeah. like they're they come along to the gigs they come to the parties they're yeah. part of it um like I haven't spoken to anyone that hasn't been like so have you got festival club tickets for this and are you going to the gig on Tuesday and are you yeah. and it's everywhere and it's so cool and it's so lovely and yeah there's nothing feels cooler than like having like guesties to like your friends gig and like rocking up and like Uh, like I actually know the band I knew them before they were a big deal (laughs) actually and I know what they're saying (laughs) (laughs) it's so good though I mean we've got traditional Scottish bands singing in Gaelic selling out the barrel lands that's that's brilliant and yeah. it's such a positive kind of way forward for the Gaelic speakers that have grown up with it kind of like yourself so it's brilliant but what has helped you to get to where you are today presumably the soundtrack has always been the run rigs tidelines things going on but on a deeper level yeah on on a deeper level I like we'll we'll talk more about my mum kind of as the podcast goes on but um yeah my my mum was a Gaelic nursery teacher, so she um, she had been a nursery teacher beforehand. Um, and when they opened the school in Greenock, they said we need a nursery teacher, and you can learn Gaelic, you can be on supply. And my mum said, "I okay, well, I don't have any Gaelic, but like I'll be on supply until you get somebody." And then she was there for over twenty years, Stop. and she was fluent in Gaelic as well. Like she picked it up and put the time in and became really, really passionate about it. And her creativity and her just belief in people just giving things a bash, I think, mm-hmm. that's like the spirit that has always been in my life of just just pottering away and making stuff and mm-hmm. being creative in that way. Um, I've had a lot of really eccentric women in my life in that way where you have tons of examples of the type of person that you could become, whoever you're going to be. Um, and I think that's, yeah, it's a really solid foundation. Like, kind of no matter what happens, you're you're like, oh, well, there's all these nutters that are all <laughs> fine. So, like, it's fine. <laughs> no, it's so true, though, and it's such a an amazing example to set for, for you. The fact that your mum was taking on this new challenge at the same time as you were. Yeah. Is quite something. Yeah. And we we were in the same nursery together. So while I was in nursery, we would just get ready in the morning and go in together. And then that was the nursery that was in my primary school. So until I was in P7, 
uh, she took me to school every day and she went to work and I went to my class. But who got the Gaelic quicker? Like, who was better? I think so. They say we ones are sponges for this stuff. <laughs> they are, but the thing is that always happened where my mum would be like, is it this thing or is it this thing? And I'd be like, I don't know why. I couldn't tell you what like the case is, the genitive case, whatever. Have absolutely no clue. I just know what sounds right. Uh-huh. Whereas my mum would be able to be like, oh, well, it's the case you get in your lock and da 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 And she knew like the, the breakdown of why it was the way it was. Uh-huh. Between the two of us, there was like a solid mm-hmm. fluent Gaelic speaker in there somewhere. <laughs> but the different approaches to learning, different oh, learning 100%. styles. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you can't sit and talk about like, you know, grammar with a six-year-old. They're going to be like, go away. Bored. I can't do this. <laughs> Whereas like, yeah, when you're just talking about colours and shapes and, you know, you're yeah. learning through play, which is what it's all about, then yeah, it's that's how they pack it up. So It's so lovely that you went on that journey together though. Yeah. Wow. Before we start talking more about your relationship with uh, your mum, who sounds like such a wonderful person, I wanted to say thank you for discussing this really important topic and sort of diving into your own personal grief because it's no small feat. Um, and we're really, really grateful that you're willing to to discuss this one with us. So can you tell us a little bit about what's happened to you and and how grief has impacted you? Yeah, um, so last summer, my mum passed away. Um, she had been sick for a good while um, and we, we knew it was coming so it wasn't a shock but obviously it doesn't really help that much <laughs> um, but yeah my, my mum passed away uh, on the f- 5th of July um, so we've just passed six months which is so weird so like it it doesn't feel super recent but it doesn't feel you know quite that that long mm. yeah so yeah I mean these milestones they do always sneak up on you as well it's that sort of whole sense of like in one way you were having a conversation yesterday and the other way you, yeah. suppose if you had the time when she was poorly to kind of prepare yourself you're yeah. thinking I've always known this was going to be the case but yeah yeah it's I think it's been about a year since we were kind of like oh this is this is where we're going mm-hmm. we know the thing that's about to happen mm-hmm. um so yeah, and it's it's taken me probably until the last month to like feel like a bit more of a human being again. Yeah, um, I think that like from that pro- probably about a year ago was when it was sort of a bit like oh like we're we're getting to the the danger zone like this is the bad times, um, and yeah, that's when I started needing a lot more kind of support from my people. Yeah, um, and then yeah, I think. It took a while for it to kind of hit me. After after she died, it was a bit like, like I I went for like lunch and a catch up with like some friends, and between like the the death and the funeral period, where it's just chaos. Yeah, and my friends were obviously like, we need to see you, come here, uh-huh. <laughs> and um, yeah, my friend Chloe just kept being like, why are you fine? Yeah. What is, mm. why are you fine? Mm-hmm. Why have you showed up in an outfit with your makeup done? What is going on here? She's like, I thought I'd have to show up yeah. to your house. Yeah. Um, and I was like, no, I'm fine. I knew it was coming, so I'm fine. So I'm fine. I'm fine. Mah, mah, mah. How and long then, did you do that for? Oh, like two months solid. Oh, really? Okay. And I kept being like, oh, no, I think it's hit me now because I had a wee cry on Sunday. You know, like mm. I kept being like, I think it's hit me now. I think it's fine. And then I w- another week would go by and then it would like hit me a bit more and then a bit more and then a bit more. And then, yeah, I think so. My mum's birthday would have been in September. So 
the the first birthday of hers without her, I was insane. I was like nuts, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, that weekend, it was so strange. Like it was the day that should have been her. It should have been her fifty ninth birthday. Mm-hmm. And um, a happy birthday balloon was floating about in the garden outside our window. Stop. Like caught in the hedge. And I was like, I like I can't do this. And we live on the ground floor. <laughs> I climbed out of the window with a knife from the kitchen. Oh, oh, darling. And I ripped up the balloon. Oh, my goodness. And I climbed back in the window. I was in my pajamas. I climbed back in the window and I threw it in the bin. And my boyfriend was like, do you feel better now? I was like, yeah. cathartic? (laughs) Yeah, it helped. And I felt a bit insane about the fact that I'd done it. But then I had a therapy session, like, the week after. I told my therapist, being like, I'm really going to need to gear up to the fact that I've done this because that's mad. And uh, my therapist was like, oh, well, I mean, it wasn't a human, so it's fine. Is it that mad? Do you like, know what I mean? Yeah. That's so sound. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Batter on. It didn't hurt anyone. Kill all the balloons you have to. That's so fine. But it is one of those things, because objectively you're looking at it, you're going, well, I've got quite the image in my head here. Oh, of yeah. this kind of frazzled individual running out there with a knife. Not great. Yeah. But realistically, if it was cathartic in that moment and you, you got through it, it, you'd probably end up doing... Like any any number of things that seem objectively yeah. mad but are actually just healing, yeah. right? 100%. And it's kind of funny now. Yeah. With a wee <laughs> bit of distance, it's quite funny. Okay, good. The image of me like in my goonie yeah. <laughs> climbing out a window. Nobody needs that. <laughs> it's going to get what's coming to that village. <laughs> really? There's an office across the street from our flat as well. Like the idea that someone was just like doing their emails, like what? Is happening. Oh yeah, you're like their ugly naked guy now. Oh, one hundred percent. Crazy balloon lady. One hundred percent. They're like, what's going to happen next? But it is it is weird how kind of those waves take you on a journey where you're like, sometimes you you're fine, and and that's again could be good for you as well because sometimes just getting yourself out the door yeah. is is massively empowering, and it's like right, I can do this. But balancing that line between showing up and masking pain, yeah. How do you sit with that now? I think I've gotten a lot better at it, but it's something that I really had to figure out. And it took, I don't think that you can, you can't tell how, you can't tell someone how to get through that. Do you know what I mean? They are going to figure it out on their own. And like, I've got friends who are going through similar things who are in a puddle on the ground, feeling their feelings as they're feeling them. And that is not how I operate. (laughs) Like, I really have to like schedule time to be like, you need to stop like stop before you drop is mm-hmm. the the vibe in the house sometimes um but my my therapist gave me some good words of wisdom quite early on um where they told me that I couldn't uh, to-do list my way through grief cry for 30 minutes on Tuesday afternoon yeah it right. was like you can you can't do that cuz i kept being like oh well this thing happened you know while she was poorly so i dealt with this part of it so that's done now it's like that's not how it worked babe it's not how it works. You can't do that. And from a logical perspective, of course, you know that and you'd have known that yeah. somewhere in you at the time. But was it quite confronting to have someone actually tell you, no, this strategy that you've got? Yeah. Nonsense. Yeah. Like you, the way that you're living your life is not how you can grieve. Mm-hmm. Like that's just not how that works, honey. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I hope it was delivered exactly like that. Not far off it. Not far off it. It's kind of, it's it's great. Like having a good therapist who is able to like call you on stuff and be like, you need to stop. Like this is too much. (laughs) And were you, this is maybe a bit of an intrusive question, but I suppose we're here and we're doing it. (laughs) 
did you speak to a therapist prior to losing your mum? Yeah, so I I really believe in therapy and I've been in and out of therapy like for years mm-hmm. um, for various stuff because life comes at you fast. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, I I went through sort of like pay what you can therapy through mm-hmm. um, the Tom Allen Centre during the lockdown. And that was amazing. Like that was so great because I just felt very jittery. There's a lot of stuff that I hadn't dealt with um, from like a decade <laughs> like random stuff coming up because obviously we were stuck in the house so what else is going to happen? Oh, the intrusive thoughts were intrusive. A hundred (laughs) percent and I had to offload them on Sunday. So yeah, it was very much like that situation and that was my first proper adult experience of like proper, proper intensive therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I've, I dabbled a wee bit as a teenager and like I saw like my uni psychologist like on and off because I was like I think I'm anxious and she was like yeah you're 19 of course you're anxious it was that kind of so yeah it's it's something that I definitely believe in and I've played about with but um yeah I think I'll be someone who is in and out of therapy for life yeah like just because it works really well for me and it, it feels like going for a checkup yeah. and staying on top of things before there's like a, an eruption, which is nice. <laughs> which I'm gathering is, you know, something something that we all need to do. But even the way that you were describing there earlier on where she was sort of saying to do list, nah, you need that, right? Yeah. To kind of keep you. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all do, to be honest. I'm looking at you like, <laughs> I need that. I'm going to make an appointment immediately after this. Yeah. <laughs> we'll give you a number. It's fine. Thank you so much. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's a much more accessible route now to go down to get therapy I think that for a long time in Scotland and the UK it was very like mm, therapy and the states had a much more kind of laissez-faire attitude to it they were yeah. like oh I'm in therapy of course my therapist mm-hmm. said this you'd see that all the time on the telly and stuff but now like I did a course in, in lockdown as well and it was the better help one mm-hmm. it was so accessible mm-hmm. to me it was on my phone yeah and it wasn't you know ridiculous uh cost wise so do you think that that's helped a lot as well the fact that you know that you know, number one, the attitude's changing around it. And and secondly, that kind of, it's not that far flung to kind of find someone to speak to either. Yeah, I think it's definitely a lot easier um, to access. And even in terms of like, I think it, the fact that things like this, the fact that podcasts and TV yeah. shows and things like that bring it up and talk about it openly really helps. Because I didn't really know that like pay what you can therapy existed. Uh-huh. Um, until I heard someone on a podcast talking about it because it was the only option for them. And I was like, well, it's the only option for me. So I'm going to Google that. And yeah, literally for anyone who's watching, it's like, this would be a great thing for me. Literally just Google like pay what you can therapy near me or in Glasgow or Edinburgh, wherever you live. Um, and yeah, the the place that I used originally as well, they do everything online as well as in person so mm-hmm. you can choose whatever you like so even if you're somewhere quite remote and you're like there's absolutely no hope in hell that there's somewhere yeah. near me you can probably get in touch with somebody like kind of you know in a more populated area Someone and do that, everything online yeah isn't your childhood gp yeah that also like prescribed you something for your chicken pox yeah that's a lot uh-huh <laughs> it's too much it's way too much um yeah and obviously like waiting lists and stuff like that can be quite yeah an issue but the the place that I went to initially the Tom Allen Centre that was I think I was on a waiting list for maybe two months okay which is okay yeah it's I, which I think is why it's great to seek these things out before the crisis point mm-hmm. 
because if you're jittering and unable to cope, like having to wait two months is an issue. Whereas if you're, you know, a bit like, oh, something's brewing. That's, yeah. I'm going to start getting a little bit unpredictable. Like, <laughs> I'm going to start attacking balloons. <laughs> exactly. You can't be doing things like that if you're yeah. on your own and you don't have somebody. No. So, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's definitely helpful just having it in your back pocket. Yeah. And, and thank goodness you had that kind of lined up before what seemed inevitable, you know, happened. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know... I imagine, well, you've said that it, it, it's helped massively, but but what do you kind of wish, like, if, you, if you've learned anything from that time, having someone to speak to and kind of directing, if you can direct grief, you know, helping you kind of channel that to move forward. Um, what would you go back and tell yourself, like, if there's anything that your, your therapist has taught you that you think you'd like to know in that moment, just the kind of, in th- the aftermath? Yeah, I think I... I think I would like to have known that I was actually allowed to be a puddle and that I was allowed to sit on the ground and mm-hmm. be insane and like not apologize for taking up time and space and these are things that I'm quite good at now and I think I've I've gotten quite good at being honest with people and saying like I'm just having like a big grief day and I can't do it today. Yeah. And people know exactly what that means. And that's so helpful. Um but yeah, initially I was definitely still like pretending I had a cold and that's why I couldn't go out and yeah. stuff like that. And everyone knows. I was going to say, you'd, you'd, you'd sort of see <laughs> through that one. Your pals who have not known you for yet. years are like, oh, okay, so you've suddenly come down with a cold when, you know, your mum died three weeks ago. Like, it's I, the Tracy Baker. Literally. Hay fever. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, you can't do that. No. It's too much. And it's it's doing your friends and your support system a disservice as well. Like kind of pretending that they wouldn't get it Mm. and like even if they've not gone through the exact same thing like they've also had stuff we've all got stuff (laughs) and they love you yeah and they want to help fundamentally and they would rather you that you showed up in your joggies with your hair a mess and showed up at all than you staying at home and dealing with your stuff alone yeah and that support system has been so vital to you you've mentioned that previously this is Maybe quite hard because I think sometimes they're they're kind of things that are you can't you don't even notice that they're happening, but they are happening. But is there anything that someone in your close circle has done for you um, that's really really helped? My boyfriend, I like recently said to a friend, I think he genuinely is the one person that the sunshine actually does shine out of his backside. <laughs> like he he has done everything for me. Like, yeah. he genuinely has... Uh, this is when I'm going to get emotional if I get emotional. Mm-hmm. Like, he has genuinely picked up the pieces for, like, absolutely everything. And, like, even, like, Christmas time was obviously quite rough because it was the first without my mum. Yeah. Um, and our, we had family over on Christmas Eve to have a wee dinner, all that sort of stuff. Um, and, like, Arthur cleaned the entire flat, cooked the whole dinner. Like, I slept in by accident and he let me sleep did everything I like walked into the living room like after I'd like gotten ready and he had like a cocktail in hand everything was done like and that's him every day yeah like not quite the cocktail every day because that would be a bit much but go for it (laughs) there's ever gonna be a time it's now (laughs) but um no he has been doing all the housework has been sorting everything out has Mm. been making sure that the cats are fed has been making sure that I'm fed like just 
doing absolutely everything and being deeply resistant to being thanked. <laughs> oh, really? He's so like, no, obviously I'm doing it. Yeah. Why would I, like, what do you mean thank you? Obviously I'm doing it. Mm. Um, but yeah, just the best person who's ever lived. So he's made everything so much easier. Yeah. And that's, I do think that's the the number one thing that if you love someone who's going through the worst time of their life, um, yeah, that's that's your time to to shine and the thing is as well such as life that there will come a time where he is going through the worst time of his life and then I will be there for that because that's the whole thing of having partners and friends and yeah. you know you support each other you pick up the slack um but yeah my friends have been their own version of that as well mm-hmm. where yeah being checked up on constantly and been taken out for lunches and dinners and having fun and being allowed to have fun and like people being there for the good, sorry, people being there for the good stuff, but then also not running away when it's uncomfortable and a bit like, oh God, why are we like, because you don't want to hang out with people when they're upset. No. It's not fun for anyone, but you have to. That's the whole point. (laughs) It's the whole point of loving people. So yeah, everyone being honest in that way of, you know, this is, this is what we're all doing here. This is why we're all friends. This mm-hmm. is why everyone loves each other. Um, yeah, I've very good, very brutally honest friends as well, which is okay, brilliant. Yeah. Because I need that. What have they said to you? Oh, um... You're, okay, <laughs> we're allowing you to wallow, but your hair <laughs> is awful. I mean, today. like, that sort of vibe <laughs> where it's kind of like I... You know, I do actually still need you to do stuff, though. And, like, I have a lot of friends that I collaborate with on, like, work and things like that. And having that kind of force of, you know, there's stuff to be done. Mm-hmm. And, yes, 100% take your time, but there is always stuff to be done. Mm-hmm. And we will all feel better if we're all continually making stuff and keeping moving. Mm-hmm. Having people that celebrate you, it, like, even if all you're doing is, like, I made a couple of Instagram posts this week that were pretty decent. <laughs> that's you know, I, like, whoa. I actually can't get out of my head. You know, that, that stupid TikTok that's going around, who is that wonderful girl? <laughs> literally. Like, yeah, literally. <laughs> Jet, that's like everyone I know. Everyone I know all the time. <laughs> so good. I love that so much. I don't need to tell you or anybody listening to this right now that the last few years have been, you know, their own kind of unique sort of madness. And it's really impacted the way we live our day-to-day lives. Your career and and your whole trajectory of your life changed during that lockdown period. You know, that's when you started to do what you said earlier on and just say, yeah, why not? Give yeah. it a go. Um, so that's massive. Mm-hmm. What tips would you give to someone who is kind of struggling to navigate the changes that they maybe came across? And maybe they didn't change their life in that yeah. moment. But we've got through it. So what do we do now? Yeah, I think I would first of all say don't feel like you're running out of time mm-hmm. because you're literally not. It's, it's fine. Like take a take a step back and like chill out and like take a deep breath. Are you talking to yourself here? Yes, always. <laughs> <laughs> Probably everyone in this room. Yeah. Okay, good. Because you're definitely talking to me. So. <laughs> cool it. Thank you. I will. Um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, chill out, take a step back. And then after you've chilled out, 
you'll have a much clearer head to then do the next part, which is what you actually want to be doing. Mm. And like, is there anything that you're doing that you're doing because you feel like you have to be doing it? And like, obviously, we all have to do our jobs and make money and all those things. But beyond that, like, are you, you know, are you pretending to enjoy things that you're doing? Is there anything that you are doing because you think you're supposed to be doing it? Like, are you, you know, are you living a lifestyle that isn't serving you and your people? Mm-hmm. And like, how can you, how can you prioritize building that support system ultimately and building that community around you? People talk a lot about like community as this like sort of amorphous blob of like, we have to build community. All that means is your pals. All that means is your pals and the folk you work with and your family. Yeah. So like they, that needs to be the center of everything. And if if you and that community is being served, then like everything else will be fine and figure itself out. Um, I'd also say trust your gut. And yeah, trusting your gut is like the most important thing. It's like the baseline of everything. If something feels off, then it's off and you can leave. Like there'll always be other jobs. There'll always be something like if all else fails, like do you can walk into a cafe job. If you if you did cafe work when you were sixteen, you can walk into a cafe job. You'll figure it out. Yeah, um, yeah leave situations that are making you feel bad because I think we are all really bad at that sort of people pleasing tendency breaking through. Yeah, and I'm thinking about you if you were sort of sixteen working in a cafe job. The friends that you had around you then. Would they have served you the same way the friends that are around you now have given this massive yeah, like, crisis you've been through? You know, the, that kind of picking the right people to be a part and, and giving that back. Yeah, 100%. Like staying staying in touch with the people that are good to stay in touch with and, and dumping the folk that aren't <laughs> figure like dumping the folk that aren't working. Like that's the, yeah, I think I I probably have a tendency to find it too easy to cut people out. Right. Which is something that I'm working on. <laughs> but I also have friends who find it impossible, the idea of cutting people yeah. out and moving on. And I think there's an in-between. There's an in-between that we all need to get to. And we'll yeah. all be fine when we get to it. We're working out that it's okay for a friendship or a relationship to evolve into a different sense. It's like, I don't need yeah. to be joint at the hip with you. I can. You can be a, a birthdays and the odd Saturday night friend. That's yeah. fine too. Um, but just given how crucial your core unit of of people who love you has been during this time, it's, it really does inspire you to kind of take a look at the people around you and think if, if the worst thing ever happened to me, yeah. who would show up and, and, and who would I drop everything for as well? Yeah, exactly. Know? It's definitely, and those are friends that I've met in like the weirdest possible ways as well where it is that thing of like okay well I've I don't understand how I found you here but like I'm not doing anything else without you ever again you are now mine I have collected you like it's you're now getting put into a group chat with all these other people I'm taking you with me like it's and you'll love them okay yeah we're all friends now I've decided and that's yeah like there's that um there's like a quote that floats around social media that's like everything that I've ever had or everything I've ever let go of, I've let go of with claw marks on it. Mm. And that's like, I think it's meant in like a sort of like, you know, a sort of self-deprecating, a little bit mopey way. Mm. But I feel like that is how we have to love people. And that like, you know, you have to put everything into your friendships and your relationships. And that's, 
everything else serves you a lot better when you are surrounded by people that you've chosen and they've chosen you. Like you're allowed to care that much. Yeah. That's fine. Being nonchalant is not cool and not comfortable and not happy. Like, care. Give a damn. Like, you're supposed to. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in. And of course, to Kirsty for being so open and honest and leaving us with such wonderful advice. (laughs) Uh, Remember, if you need help and support, Young Scott has tons of information out there at young.scott forward slash A-Y-E feel because we're Scottish, right? Uh, You can follow Kirsty's work on social media using kirstyiona.jpg. Now the spelling will be provided, don't worry. (laughs) You'll need it. Yeah. (laughs) Should have seen me earlier on try to look you up like... Okay, I'll copy that down. But once you've got it, you've got it. Yeah. Right? And you should follow. Right. <laughs> Don't forget that if you're under 26, then make sure that you get your free Young Scott National Entitlement Card with thousands of discounts, subsidised public transport and a whole lot more. You can also claim 100 Young Scott rewards points for listening to this episode using the code, it's a special code for you, Gallic. Cute. It's cute, isn't That's it? That's exciting. Yeah. So we know exactly who has used the code from this episode. <laughs> So that's it from me. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of This Is How I Feel. And if you have, then please rate, review and subscribe to us, which means you'll get instant access as soon as the next episode drops. Looking forward to next time already. See you then.